Welcome to the Bridegroom Speaks podcast. Throughout the year, we offer healing retreats for women recovering from betrayal trauma. That is the trauma of discovering the infidelity, sex addiction, or pornography addiction of a spouse or significant other. Father Alan Hoffa co-leads these retreats with us. And in today's podcast episode, we are sharing part one of a talk Father Hoffa gave at our most recent healing retreat. And in his talk, he speaks to us about the healing, transformative power of the loving gaze of our Lord Jesus Christ. The title of my talk this afternoon is called, He Sees You All. Jesus, the bridegroom, sees us all. And some of the reality of when we get into the situations that affect us, the situations that we've participated in, whatever the case may be, especially when it involves struggle, when it involves sin, and a number of other things that can affect us adversely. One of the first things that we're led to because of our fallen humanity is to be convinced that we're unlovable. It's actually one of the first things that addicts and users feel, but it's also when people experience different realities in life that causes them to find separation from other human beings, um, and also from God, we find ourselves sometimes as unlovable. And if we're not able to see ourselves as lovable, if we've now convinced ourselves that we're unlovable, or that there's something wrong with us or, or bad about us, one of the first things that people go to is the fact that God doesn't see me anymore. God sees you. Jesus sees you. But I think it's important for us to take a look into the heart of Jesus, into the person of Jesus, to be able to gain a deeper appreciation of, of how he goes about this process of seeing and how he goes about this process of encounter. One of the key words that is involved in that encounter is intimacy. Now, again, because of situations that may have happened in your life, either recently or over the course of time, Intimacy may be a word that is, is a difficult word to hear, but I think that part of our time together is an opportunity to redefine in our own minds what certain words mean, especially in how God intended them to be and to be used. When I was in the seminary, I had a great priest mentor who taught us pastoral counseling, and he broke down the word intimacy as into me see. And that's a big leap of trust and of faith for us to open ourselves to let someone else see us. Well, here's the thing. If we're not necessarily comfortable right now letting other people see into us, that's okay. But when we try to convince ourselves that we somehow have the power to not allow God to see into ourselves, that's something that uh, I have to say we want to stay away from that because he sees it all. And he sees it through the lens of love. That's important. So often, the world does not look at the rest of the world. We don't look at one another. We don't see ourselves through the lens of love. The incredible thing about God is that he can only see us through the lens of love because it's his nature. And God in his perfect nature can't do anything contrary to his nature. So he sees you. He sees you through the lens of love. Now, you may hear this and say, okay, I'm going to buy into this, Father. And 
please either humor me or be intrigued or whatever the case may be, let's enter into this. What are some tools that we can use as we get into this ability to accept the fact that Jesus sees me through the lens of love? One of the key important distinctions is the, the difference between anticipation and expectation. Those are two very important words, anticipation and expectation. One of the things that we do and we find it easy to do in life is to place expectations on ourselves and others. And we feel the world is doing the same thing to us. We're expected to be this, to do that, to say it this way, on and on and on. And we can even transfer that to God. God expects all of this of me. When we think about our, these expectations that the world imposes, we can transfer that over to God. And here's the thing. While there are things that we can use as expectations when it comes to God, for instance, all the things that Jesus has promised us in the scriptures, we can have a, a joyful expectation that that's going to happen because God can't lie to us. However, when it comes to what God is going to do and how he is going to act when it comes to the unknown, expectations betray us. When you and I set expectations on God, we sort of put him in a box. And the problem is, is that for you and I, because of our finite human nature, we can never, ever dream, fathom, hope as big as God. And so when we put those expectations of, well, you know what? This is how God sees me. This is what God thinks of me. This is what God is going to do. That is very, very dangerous. Because that puts us in a place of God's actually going to do more, and we may not be able to see what he is doing. And we certainly may not be able to see ourselves as he sees us. So what's the opposite? Anticipation. Anticipate, and anticipating what God is going to do is an act of hope, and it is an act of joy. Perfect for this season of Easter. And it requires us to have a certain level of openness. And like I said, depending on where we are, we may not be ready, willing to be open to others. And that's okay. We can be open and avail ourselves, be willing to receive what God sends in our direction. I always look at it this way. Language is very important in our faith. One of the things that gets me a little worried at times is when we use wrong language to be able to express things that are truths about the faith that we believe in. For instance, one of the things that happens, and it's a catechetical moment, but when people come out of mass and they say, oh, Father, that was a beautiful service. I say, no, 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 it's not a service. It's mass. Why? Because it's more than just having a service. Mass is the source and summit because it brings about the Eucharist. It's the greatest prayer of the church. And so when we are able to enter into the mass, not just a service, it's, it's more. Language matters. Well, the same thing comes down to when we go to Holy Communion. And I've heard this many, many times before. People will say, I'm going up to take Holy Communion. No, don't ever, ever express it in that way. Why? Because again, what we're doing in that moment is we are saying that the only thing that I'm going to receive is Jesus. And that can even 
bring about a scope that we limit Jesus in the fullness of what we are receiving in his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Instead of saying, take, we say, I'm going to receive Holy Communion. And so in that moment, we put out our hands or we extend our tongue. What is that? That's an act of vulnerability, actually. We're opening ourselves. We're saying, Lord, in this moment, as I have brought myself forward to the altar of grace, I am willing to receive from you whatever it is you want to pour into my life, whatever it is you want to give me through the manifold grace that is a part of your sacraments. And so when we come to Jesus, it's not about expecting that he is going to do things in this way in our lives, but it's anticipating that he is going to act in a way that we may have never even dreamt of or thought of. And that's really, really important as we enter into this process of healing, as we enter into this process of giving him that which has amassed in our lives, giving it over to him and letting him heal our woundedness and our brokenness. So what needs to happen in this movement? Maybe we've been caught up in the fact that we have just acted out of expectation, that we haven't had ourselves open, that we have convinced ourselves that God doesn't see me because of what someone else has done or because how I've reacted to that or just because of how I'm feeling to myself. Well, it's a great opportunity for us to enter into two important things that we've probably reflected on in Lent, and that is part of our transformation into a resurrected people in Easter. And there are two important gospel stories that come from the season of Lent. The first is the transfiguration, and the second is the overall action that we hear on Ash Wednesday of repentance. So we hear in the gospel of the transfiguration that P Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain, and he is transfigured before them. And what does Peter remark? Peter remarks, it is good that we are here. And ladies, I would offer that to all of you. It is good that we are here. How is it going to be good for one person versus the other? We don't know that, and it's going to be completely different. And thanks be to God that through his manifold grace, we can experience him in different ways, and his grace can be manifest and affected for us, each one of us, in different ways. But nonetheless, we come here to be transformed. That is a transformation in mind. That is a transformation in heart. That is a transformation in soul in body. It is a transformation in every fact of who we are and how we function. Now, the other piece of this is a, a theme that is present all throughout Lent, which is repentance. And it's not necessarily focusing on the fact that we need to repent necessarily in this moment. We may need to, and repentance is needed all throughout our lives. But it's more about what the action of repentance causes us to do and why it is so important in the process of healing and in our own transfiguration and transformation. A lot of times when people set out during the beginning of Lent and they, they think about things that are in their lives, things that they want to change, we automatically go to the, I don't want to do this anymore. And so we turn away from it. Whether it is something that we've been convinced of, something that we have fallen into that is sinful, whatever the case may be, I don't want that. But the problem is, for a lot of people, what happens is that instead of going through the full process, they only get halfway. They make a decision that they don't want this, and so they get to here. Problem is, it's not only about saying what we don't want, what we want to reject, but it's also about turning toward what we want, what we're called to, what we need.
This process of not only turning from, but turning toward is very crucial in the process of healing because it, ta- it brings about a conviction in our mind. A lot of times when people just turn from and they only get halfway, they stay there. And when they stay there, very easy to drift back into what was. When we talk about the conviction that he sees us, that he loves us, and that his power as our bridegroom is able to help us move past the hurts, to heal the wounds, and that is done through his power. The process of saying, this is what I'm leaving, but this is also what I want, focuses us on what our goals are. He is our goal. And that whatever he pours from us because we've turned to him is going to come our way. And so transfiguration and repentance are a model for us to be changed in every facet of who we are, but also to make a conscious choice. I'm leaving this because this is what I want instead. And it's all rooted in the Lord. Now, I mentioned earlier that for each of us, it's going to be different. I use this often in my retreats that I do for teachers because of being a priest in education. One of the key catchphrases that's out there uh, nowadays when it comes to education is differentiated instruction. And I always share with the teachers that Jesus was actually the first one to come up with differentiated instruction. And everybody chuckles and I said, here's, here's how we have proof. Jesus didn't go and do cookie cutter with people. You know, all the lepers got the same approach. All the tax collectors got the same approach. All the people caught with this sin got the same approach. He spoke heart to heart with each person. He sees us not as a group of humanity, not as a group of males and a group of females, or any of the things that we can do to sort of cluster people together. He sees us individually. And I use the two moments in the gospel where he does encounter tax collectors. Think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he was extorting money from people. But Zacchaeus' first problem was the fact that he was struggling with his stature. You know how he goes up and climbs up the tree to be able to see Jesus as he's walking by? As Jesus encounters him, he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I see you. I don't need, you don't need to be up in a tree for me to see you. I already see you. I see you. And when you think you can't be seen, I see you. And so Jesus goes to his house and they have this incredible moment where Zacchaeus finds out he's seen. And then what happens? His transformation. His transformation within the context of this meal where he says all of these great things that he's going to do as a response to Jesus seeing him and bringing that transformation into his life where he chooses to leave his old way of being the tax collector and turn in a new way of being a man of righteousness. Matthew was a lot easier, or maybe not so much easier, but different. Jesus came to Matthew at the customs post and said to him, follow me. And the gospel tells us, Matthew got up and he followed him. Jesus didn't need to go through the process of healing some of the other things that were barriers to him healing the fact that he was a dishonest tax collector. Same thing happens for you and I. Jesus sees us individually. The one-to-one focus of Jesus and those of us who are blessed to be in the position of being Jesus's instruments is very helpful to each one of us so that we can understand that intimately 
Jesus can see into me, not as a person that's just another part of humanity, but I'm special. I'm unique. I am unique as his beloved. I am unique, in your cases, as his daughter. Very, very important and very, very true. For more resources and our consecration to Christ the Bridegroom, visit hopesgarden.com, the sanctuary where the spousal love of Christ the Bridegroom heals hearts, marriages, and families. You may also want to join our community powered by Mighty Networks. Download the Mighty Networks app and find us at Hope's Garden.